And this is YFamil.com, the podcast. We talk to entrepreneurs, VCs, startup mentors from Y Combinator, 500 startups, and the hottest startups in Silicon Valley and around the world. Quick note, though, you're currently listening to the best moments of this episode. To listen to the whole interview, go to YFamil.com slash podcast, or just search for the previous episode wherever you listen to this on. Enjoy! My name is Enes. I'm one of the general partners of Fifan Startups Istanbul. Uh, Fifan Startups Istanbul is the regional fund within 500 where we invest into Central Eastern Europe and Turkey. Prior to 500, back in 2010, I started my own company called Goodbuzz um, in marketing technology space. We raised a seed round back then. We had our um, team in Turkey. We had our team in Lithuania, a team in the UK. I was going back and forth between the UK and Canada. Um, I was with the company for two years. I left it to my co-founder, moved back to Turkey. I was at internet for a brief short time here in turkey because back then they were doing a local e-commerce um here in turkey i left rocket rocket in 2013 decided to do my own angel network in 2015 which then turned up to be a vc fund with together with 500 startups and for the past five years um we've done 43 investments around centuries in europe and turkey at least on the early stage given our investment thesis we're trying to find these entrepreneurs who are going to turn out to build billion dollars or a couple hundred dollar businesses. Um, so we're actually betting on the outliers. We want that one company to give us that 100x in return. But to be able to find that one company, you have to take a bunch of shots, do 20 investments, 50 investments, so that one or a couple of them are going to give you that 100x. And what, in the way of doing that, trying to micromanage the entrepreneur, trying to um, sit down and talk strategy, product, marketing, etc. Um, a, I don't know as much as the entrepreneur about his or her space because that's his life. I only spent a couple hours a week max on that topic. And B, if I felt the need that we have to be doing this, it just shows me that this company probably is never going to give me that 100x. So I, I'd rather have my resources spent elsewhere. We're in a market where we should be um, celebrating and cheering for the entrepreneurs who are actually making it, mm-hmm. but not try to... Um, put in more bureaucracy to the company or micromanage the entrepreneur to be able to try and limit our downside. This is not a downside limiting industry. This is an upside, upside maximizing industry. And the founder um, was initially doing an educational technology business in Ankara. Um, he built a company, he had a product, he sold it to his university. He was trying to productize it and sell it, but um, he didn't have much capital. So he was trying to do fundraise, trying to speak with different angel investors where they came up with these really weird deals. They tried to take majority of the company by even investing even less than 100K. So he realized that Turkey wasn't the best place to, to do this. And 2007, 2008 wasn't the best time to build that company. Um, he moved to the Valley, become, became an engineer on a dating company called speeddate.com, which eventually got acquired by mash.com. It was 2010. He said, hey, I had this business idea a couple of years ago back in Turkey. It wasn't the right place, wasn't the right time. Maybe now is the right time and the right place. And he launched Udemy. Um, he ran Udemy until 2014. Um, he left the company afterwards. Um, n- now it's a billion dollar company. Um, I guess it even raised close to a billion dollars. Eren left the company about seven years ago, but the company still has its technology office in Ankara. So that's kind of impact that one person can create in a couple of years, which is going to be sustained for a couple of decades, hopefully. Another company, and that resonates with me a lot, is a company called Firefly. Mm-hmm. Um, they mount these digital advertising devices on top of Uber or Lyft vehicles oh. to do out-of-home geotargeted advertising in places like New York, LA, etc. 
and they raised a bit more than a hundred million dollars to date. Google Ventures led their previous round, so they're not. Um, they have enough cash. They can do. They can easily build their software team or their hardware team in the U.S., but they didn't. Although the founders, two Turkish founders, both based in the U.S., um, one of them is based in New York, the other one was in San Francisco back then. Um, instead of building their team there, they built their software team in Istanbul and their hardware team in another city in a bit south south of Turkey. Not because the, the talent is cheaper, because the talent is cheap anywhere except the U.S. or Europe, anyways. It's because they they knew that they can access better talent and more importantly retain that talent for years. Um, their average tenure would be much higher than any Silicon Valley company. So they have their software team in Turkey, their hardware team in Turkey because Turkey is great logistically, and that also kind of validates our geo arbitrage investment thesis where if you're trying to invest into companies who would have their back offices their technology teams in places like central eastern europe or turkey but their sales and marketing to the western world to the more mature world either us um, or europe what's the criteria to admit uh, a company to 500 startups you know you said uh, you don't tend to get people who apply on your website or, or email but, you know what's the criteria I think um, looking on a macro perspective, when when we were looking into an opportunity, we try to understand whether it's more of a blue ocean or a red ocean opportunity. For red ocean opportunities, um, the market size is there. You can actually quantify it. The market growth is there, but it's very competitive. So you have to understand how you're going to differentiate, what the metrics are. Does your differentiation actually resonate with the customer? And we try to get this from either from financial metrics or product analytics, but we look for more, right? We want to see month-over-month growth, unit economics, churn rate, blah, blah, blah. Um, because that's the space that you're in, we're more traction-focused. And our investment decision um, is going to be driven by your execution capabilities and the way for us to assess your execution capabilities are these business fundamentals and the metrics. Whereas for blue companies, these are companies that are just coming up in um, new markets that are just emerging. There's a big market risk. The market might never evolve to be big. We don't know, but we're not scared of competition. If that's the case, we're much more technology and team driven. We want to see, we want to validate the team and make sure that the team is uh, has enough of a war chest and resources to build that technology and we can invest much early on even without a prototype and when you look into our portfolio at Fifound Istanbul you would kind of see a 50-50 split where half of our companies are more blue ocean companies we invested pre-prototype very early stage even idea phase we can invest whereas the other 50% would be more red ocean competitive we invested a bit later we wanted to understand all of these different uh, business metrics before we moved forward. You're yeah. investing in the team, right? Then Exactly. We invest yeah. in the team. The, our latest investment, which in fact is our largest investment to date in our first ticket in from Fund 2. From Fund 2, we did four investments. The latest one was a million dollar investment. Um, we invested in the company before the founders were full-time. So there's a website, which is only a logo. Um, there's a deck, like a 10-slide deck. Both of the founders are still full-time at another company. They're going to be leaving in a month. So we still wanted to invest because we were bullish on the founders. We were bullish on the space. It's a newly emerging space. There's a lot of investor appetite within the space. And um, this is, I think, a more of a cornered resource theory where we don't think there are a, a lot, that we don't think there are a lot of engineers who can tackle this problem. And there are only a number of cornered resources, uh, cornered people that the company has to um, employ and manage well. And once we feel that's the case, we were eager to take an early on bet because we feel the main defensibility um, is the people and it's a it's a newly emerging market so once you actually grab a good talent pool within your company that's going to be enough for you to kind of um, get to the next level or the next couple of years in the long run 
either with crypto and blockchain coming in, we see these tokenized funds, which enable um, funds to be raised using tokens, but also creates a secondary market right after you raise the funds. So it brings earlier liquidity to fund investors. And at the same time, startup investing is also getting democratized, whether that's equity crowdfunding platforms, going public earlier on, SPACs, um, those are really democratizing access to startups and for the general public to invest into startups. So uh, the way I see it is we started with this one product, which is this really rigid VC. Um, that's a 10-year fund. We do early stage. Next to it, we have to be doing venture debt. Next to it, we have to be doing revenue share deals because not every company is built to be sold. Some companies and some founders, some entrepreneurs don't want to sell their companies and they don't want to do IPO as well. They don't want to take those bold risks to become a couple billion dollar company, but it's still profitable to invest in them. Yet we can't because of the rigid structure. With a revenue share agreement, we perhaps can. Um, I want to be able to build a tokenized fund to create um, liquidity to our investors early on. So all, I think all of these things are going to be different products. And the way I want to build it over the next 10 or 15 years, um, say in 2035, is that we have these different products that all democratize access to capital for entrepreneurs. And depending on what type of investor you are, you can, e you can either do investment directly yourself, you can invest into our tokenized fund where you'll get um, shorter term liquidity back. You can like this reach the VC structure. You can be more risk averse and put money into your venture debt fund where we're going to give you guaranteed returns um, on interest and we'll be providing debt to a bunch of technology companies. Um, we, ha we have to be able to productize VC rather than scaling this one rigid product. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.